Hello, hello, everybody. This is Stacy Hubeck and Terry Miller. And we're here with Off the Beaten Path, where we talk about weird shit. And uh, that's what we're about. So, you, this is a new thing for us. We've just started it. <laughs> um, basically, we're just going to, you know, ask each other some weird questions, talk about some weird local places, and try to weird each other out each week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Want to so, start? Yeah, let's kick it off. All right. Weird question of the day. What would be better, much better, if you could change the color of it? <sighs> That's a hard one. Um, probably Nutella. I love Nutella. But it's <laughs> such a weird color. <laughs> and it totally weirds me out every time I eat it. Because it looks like a giant turd on your skin. Yes, I wish it was a nice cream color, <laughs> possibly. Um... That yeah, is that's great. <laughs> I did not expect that answer at all. <laughs> Nutella. Um, okay, okay. So, what is the weirdest Wi-Fi password or name that you've ever seen? The Dead Zone. Where is that at? It used to be a friend's Wi-Fi pa- or Wi-Fi. It was domain. just called the Dead Zone. Yeah, it was the Dead Zone. <laughs> I like that. And then my other friend wasn't really weird. It was kind of creative. It was the Bat Cave. Oh, I like that. that I like that cool. one too. I know, ours is just like a bunch of numbers. I should name it something creative, but we just haven't. Yeah, you totally should. I know, you were asking me for what it was today. I would be able to tell you something cool. <laughs> um, Alright, so let's just dive right in. Um, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, so... I'm going to weird you out today by telling you about two urban legends, one from Maryland and one from Pennsylvania. So, the one from Maryland is called the Goatman. Huh? And the Goatman is a lonely, angry goat herder who apparently, there's a couple different versions, so he either went... Crazy after finding his beloved goat slaughtered by teenagers. Or the more bizarre version of the legend is that the goat man is the result of a science experiment gone wrong at the Beltsville Research Agricultural Center. Apparently, the USDA facility had to actually go on record and deny that in some local newspaper. But apparently, according to that one, a mad scientist was conducting experiments on a goat <laughs> when something went horribly wrong, turning him into a half-man, half-goat beast that's blood-hungry. <laughs> so, according to the Goatman legend, he terrorizes lovers, chases teenagers, and he likes to decapitate dogs. He what? Yells, dogs? Yes. He's got a dog fetish. Um, he makes goat noises, obviously. Uh, he's been reported all over, basically, oh, I should have probably started with this, but in Maryland, this legend originates from Prince George's County, which I think I shouldn't even try to guess, because I'm terrible at geography. Um, but I think that's kind of towards the Eastern Shore area, right? Yes. Southern Maryland? Um, okay, so... 
there's this historian who actually said there is sort of like a like a canonical or like original Goatman story, and it begins on Fletcher Town Road in Bowie, Maryland. So in 1971, there was an article released in the Prince George's County News. Um, saying that residents fear Goatman lives, dog found decapitated in Old Bowie. So it describes this Edward family and their search for their dog named Ginger. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you can always cut it out. I didn't even hear you should have said anything. Um, <laughs> the article describes the Edwards family and the search for their puppy named Ginger. And then a couple days later, Ginger was found near Fletchtown Road, dead and headless, by these guys, Ray Hayden, John Hayden, and Willie Gein. Um, so, apparently, a group of teenage girls had heard strange noises and seen a large creature the night the dog disappeared. Um, it was animal-like and walked on its hind legs, and one of the guys that found the dog... Just want to chime in. Okay, so, what? Prince George's County yeah. is right below Baltimore. Oh, okay. And it's it encompasses uh, the some of the uh, Washington area. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So it okay. is more towards the shore. Okay, cool. Um. So anyway, one of the guys that found this dog told this reporter years later that. He had seen an animal the night before. It was about six feet tall. It walked on two feet, and it was hairy. And he noted that it made a high-pitched sound like a squeal. And he's quoted in saying, People came here and called it folklore, and the papers made us out to be ignorant hillbillies who didn't know any better. But (laughs) But what I saw was real, and I know I'm not crazy. Whatever it was, I believed it killed my dog. I love um, the voice. I love it. <laughs> so apparently this professor, this is my the last little thing, um, this professor at the University of Maryland says that the goat man was influenced by car culture in the 60s and 70s, which gave teens the freedom to discover the world around. So I guess it came from like when kids were just riding around on Friday night. That's what they did. Huh. Um... Anyway, yeah, so he thinks it came from there and just kind of people having nothing better to say. So, that's the story of the goat man. Um, This one is a lot creepier. So, this one is PA. Oh, we're from, like, the Maryland PA line, so that's why I chose Maryland and Pennsylvania. We're, like, from uh, Delta. Delta. Good old Delta. (laughs) Good old Delta. Um, Okay, so this one is an urban luncheon from Pennsylvania, and it's called Charlie No-Face. So... This has already got me creeped out. (laughs) What, Charlie No-Face? Just by the name. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There was a picture of Charlie No-Face. It was creepy. Um, Maybe we can put it on our Facebook. Oh, let's Um, do it. So, yeah, we can do it after the show. So, Charlie No-Face, also called the Green Man, also called the Monster of Beaver County, um... Is a legend that originated in the 1900s. And this one actually has some true background. Like it has its origins in a true story. Um, so it goes that in the early 1900s, a Hillsville boy was electrocuted by a trolley wire. 
resulting in a facial disfigurement. Basically, it looked like his face melted away. Um, he became super reclusive, but then, like, all these rumors came about him, and today, basically, the people of Pennsylvania insist that Charlie No-Face has become a radioactive, glowing, green man-type figure who haunts an abandoned freight tunnel with the ability to stall any cars who dare to trespass in his tunnel. Um, okay. So, apparently, oh, I should have said this. So, the last... The last urban legend I got a lot from the Washingtonian.com. Um, this I got from a website called Thrillist.com. So anyways, this guy on Thrillist, uh, Will Fulton, he wrote this really good article about Charlie No-Face and claims that the story of Charlie No-Face is true. So obviously not the green glowing part, but the disfigurement part. So in early August 1919, eight-year-old Ray Robinson was walking with his sister and some friends in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, when they noticed a bird's nest on top of a tree next to an abandoned trolley trestle. They wanted to get a closer look while Ray did, so he climbed up, but he accidentally touched a wire that had once powered the trolley. Um... Almost a year earlier, another boy who touched the same wire died after two weeks, but the county hadn't deactivated it, and it was still active a year later. So, he, Ray was severely electrocuted. His nose and lips and ears and eyes were all gone or misshapen. His arms were messed up. One of his hands was blown off. Somehow, he friggin' survived. Um, so, a documentary historian is quoted in saying um if you look at old victorian homes so many of them have isolated rooms with drains and plumbing and everything you need to live right there uh back then this is where families kept children like ray things were different and they kept people who were different hidden away from the world uh, and this guy fulton says that ray wasn't exactly mistreated but he did get isolated and made fun of. Um, but he tried to make the best of it. He listened to baseball on the radio. He learned to read Braille and how to make wallets and doormats out of old tires. And his family like made him a small apartment in their garage. Um, then he started to like take walking to local highways alone and at night and this is where his true story sort of becomes a legend so um basically yeah they say that he has been known to like attack people he has been known to stop cars and stall cars as they um you know go through his tunnel uh apparently one guy even said that ray tried to climb into his car so oh shit yeah anyway um alive or is it a ghost no no like alive um so anyway uh ray died in 1981 in a there's still sometimes fresh flowers placed on his grain, uh, on his grave, but that's the legend of Charlie No Face and or the Glowing Man or the Monster of Beaver County. 
And Fulton closes his article with saying, he was more than just an urban legend. He was a man, and his name was Ray. Okay. Yeah. Um, now that you <laughs> fucked me up with that. <laughs> I love a good story. I love a good urban legend. I also picked an urban legend-type, real-type story. Ooh. So I'm going to read you an excerpt from this really good book I got. It's called Beyond the Seventh Gate and it's written by Timothy Renner with photographs by the author and A.E. Hoskins. What is the book about? Is it just like a it's collection about, of stories? It's a collection. Of, okay, so it's called um, Beyond the Seventh Gate and then it's Exploring Toad Road The Seven Gates of Hell and Other strangeness in york lancaster and adam counties oh so it's local to pa too yeah so oh it's like so it's kind of like our area yeah york county all right so i chose this week hex hollow so, i'm already in love it reminds me of the blair witch project yeah. which was also a local story yeah it was in maryland right blair yeah 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 i think it was if you walk the roads in hex hollow in the right sequence on halloween night you will pass through the gates of hell. This is what I was told when I first moved to York County in the 1990s. I'm not that old. <laughs> so this is not me. This is from the book. You're not... Well, yeah, I was about to say. We were born in... When were you born? I was born in 92. 91. Okay, so you're a little older than me. Ray Myers Hollow, also known as Hux, Hex Hollow, is in southern York County, Pennsylvania. It is now adjacent to and includes parts of Spring Valley Park. This county park is sparsely attended, no doubt partially because it's off the beaten path. Well, it's in York County. Now I have to go because it's a driving distance. Did you catch the off the beaten path? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And particularly because of the rough hewn roads. But mostly it's because it is Hex Hollow, former home of Nelson Raymire and location of his Hex House, where in 1928, the most famous of Pennsylvanians, Hex Murders, occurred. <gasps> oh, murder. Ray Myers Hollow was home to supernatural activity many years before Nelson met his violent end. In the 1800s, Ray Myers Hollow was known as Ray Myers Valley and was already haunted. A story in the York Daily from September of 19, 1891, apologies, about the general goings on, goings on in Raymire Valley notes, the ghost at the lower end of this place has made its appearance again. Several of our people have become so afraid that they will not travel through that place during the night on account of the spook. In 1892, the newspaper notes once more, the spook made his appearance again one night last week in his fiery suit. However, Hex Hollow is best known by far for the murder of Nelson Raymire. The story of the Hex murder and the trial that followed were front page news for papers far and wide. Shocking stories of the 20th century witches and superstitious country folk sold lots of newspapers. Old folk traditions were paraded out as sideshow curiosities. Sensationalized. Placed out of context and subject to ridicule. It is around this time that York County began 
also to be known as Hex County. Oh, I didn't know that. We live in Hex County. <laughs> in Raymire's Hollow, mazes of tra- trails and rural roads wind around each other. Old fieldstone walls meander aimlessly through the woods. Paths start and end with no particular logic. Sometimes it seems the trees are twisting the roads about, always on the verge of swallowing them back into the shadows. The east branch of the Cadoras Creek winds through both the park and Hex Hollow. We shall see the Cadoras and its various branches wind their way into stories throughout this book. you got to read this book. (laughs) Walking through Hex Hollow, beneath the dark canopy of leaves and reaching branches, it's easy to see how this place could acquire a reputation for witchery, even if it wasn't associated with the famous Hex murder. In 1928, the one resident of Raymar's Hollow was Nelson D. Raymar, a loner whose own wife lived outside the hollow because he was, in her words, too damn peculiar. His wife? His own wife. <laughs> what? Raymar stood over six <laughs> feet tall. You could do that to do something. Make a shut out back and make a look at it. <laughs> With deep set eyes and a powerful presence. Another Hex Hollow tale I remember. There is a lonely grave in Hex Hollow, marked with a pentagram, where Nelson Raymar, a black magician, is buried. So he was murdered? Yeah, we're getting to that part. Oh, God. In recent revisionist history, mostly told by fundamentalists, Christians, and sensationalists, Nelson Raymar is often called a witch, a necromancer, and a black magician. The reality is, he was none of these things. Raymar was what in York County was most commonly called a powwow doctor. They are also called brouchers. Or brouchers, I don't know which way to pronounce that. I don't know. In a more negative light, they are called hexenmeister. Yeah, that. Hex (laughs) doctors and simply hexers. While this practice is frowned upon by many Christians and called satanic, by others. The powwow doctors themselves would never consider themselves evil or witches. Alright. I guess so, they were doctors, so. <laughs> they were doctors? <laughs> so how'd this homeboy get murdered? So. This is actually really sad. We're gonna I feel get, like it's a lonely old man it. in the woods. <laughs> there is no lonely grave in Hex Hollow. No witch's burial ground. No pentagrams and few hex signs. Nelson D. Raymeyer is buried in the cemetery at the old Sadler's Church, just outside of the hollow. Oh, so it's just a rumor that there was like a grave with a he- Okay. Yeah. No epitaph, no pentagram. He was not a witch. In Raymeyer's time, powwow was practiced openly and regularly. There were storefront powwow doctors in York City and hundreds of informal powwow practitioners throughout the area. One of these was named John Blymeyer. Blymeyer was by all accounts a sickly and sad man, part of an entire family of brochures whose spiritual lineage could be traced back to Pennsylvania's most famous witch, Mountain Mary. Mm-hmm. John Blymeyer could keep none of his powwow patients. 
he was reduced to working in a York cigar factory with no explanation for his hardship, save, perhaps, for what to some one is of his background would have been the obvious answer he must have been hexed. Blymeyer visited every powwow doctor, witch, and faith healer in the area, trying to get his hex broken. He had no luck until he found Emanov, a.k.a. Nellie Knoll, a.k.a. the High Priestess of Marietta, a.k.a. the River Witch. After many visits and payments to Knopf, she revealed the source of Blymeyer's curse. Nelson D. Raymeyer of Raymeyer's Hollow. Oh, she was like, homeboy's stealing all your patients. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. claimed that he handed Knopp a dollar bill, and when he handed it back, he saw Raymeyer's face in the place of George Washington's. What? Knopp told Blymeyer that the only way he could break the hex was to get a lock of Raymeyer's hair and bury it eight feet down or to burn Raymar's hex book. For years, Blymeyer had been obsessed with his curse. Now he had an answer and quickly enlisted aid. John Curry was a 14-year-old boy who befriended Blymeyer at the cigar factory. Curry himself had a life full of hard times, a broken family, an abusive stepfather, and poverty. It didn't take much for Blymeyer to convince Curry that he too was cursed, and Nelson D. Raymeyer was the source. Wilbert Hess was just 17 and his family farm was failing. The farm had been abundant for years. The family could find no explanation why the crops should fail, and the cows not eat, not even give milk. Unless it was a hex, Blymeyer informed them that Raymeyer was the source. This shocked the Hess family, who knew Raymeyer, they had taken young Wilbert to Raymeyer to be healed successfully. Wilbert had picked potatoes on Raymeyer's <laughs> farm. Still, Blymeyer was sure of the hex and knew how to break it. Blymeyer, Curry, and Hess went to confront Raymeyer on a dark and rainy November night in 1928. On the way, they visited Raymeyer's wife to question her about the man. She told the trio where Raymeyer lived. Now frightened they must have been, how frightened they must have been, walking through the hollow that night. The roads must have been far worse then, the woods denser and deeper. They knocked on Raymeyer's door. But it wasn't haunted yet because he wasn't dead. That's true. They knocked on Raymeyer's door and the old man invited them in. It is possible that he had heard rumor of Blymeyer's obsession and played it coy that night. They stayed up late talking of many things, from the weather to farming to powwow. Raymar offered them hot drinks and asked them to stay the night. Not exactly the actions of a black magician. I can't believe they accepted. Like, if they're about to murder this dude. Yeah. They're just like, all right, I'll drink some of your hot chocolate and yeah, I'll cookies. Tell you like... <laughs> Raymar went upstairs to sleep while the trio slept downstairs. Blymeyer woke up in the early morning and tried to convince Curry and Hess to go to the basement, where it was rumored Raymeyer practiced his hexery. That was the most likely place to find his copy of the long-lost friend. Curry and Hess wanted none of that. 
Blymeyer decided that he hadn't yet established the required mental dominance over Raymeyer. After Raymeyer fed them breakfast, the trio left. They even ate his breakfast. Jesus. They returned the following Such night. Such a good host, too. Again, Raymeyer invited them in. <clears throat> Blymeyer became agitated and more forceful. It took all three of them, Blymeyer, Curry, and Hess, to wrestle the powerful Raymeyer to the ground. Where is it? They asked. Raymeyer said he didn't know what they were talking about. They asked again, and Raymar said he would get it for them if they let him up. When they did, he handed them his wallet, which angered Blymeyer even more. <laughs> He's like, I don't want your damn wallet. I want your book. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, the trio held Raymar down, tied a rope around his neck, oh, and beat him to death with a chair and a block of wood. Oh my god, Upon that's brutal. Upon hearing his death rattle, Blymar exclaimed, Thank God, the witch is dead. Even with Nelson Raymar dead and tied, the trio could not muster the courage to descend into the, his basement to look for his hex book. Wait, seriously? They just murdered a man in cold blood, but they can't go down his basement and steal his book. Exactly. Like, who the hell is that? What? <laughs> okay. Instead, they decided to burn the body and the house. They poured lamp oil over Raymire's corpse and the floor, set them ablaze, and left. He didn't even bury him eight feet under the ground, so he screwed it all up. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> there's been a lot of, a lot of things for this. I didn't read the whole chapter, but, uh, there's been a lot of things of this, like documentaries and stuff. Of the Raymire? Yeah. One of the most famous is, uh, a documentary that was actually, uh, presented at the Strand Capitol in 2015 called Hex Hollow a year ago. And sounds like a Blair, like it sounds like it's like a Blair Witch type movie. Yeah, I didn't watch a trailer or anything. I was already creeped What's it out called? by the whole... Say uh, it again? Hex Hollow a year ago. Mm, okay. So, um, you can go to www.hexhollowmovie.com. Oh, and watch it? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Okay. I believe to watch it, or at least rent it. That Who was cares? creepy. The Blair Witch was one of the, like, scariest things that... Like, I was really scared of the Blair Witch when I was a kid, and that sounds just like it. Like, I can't even... The story of, like, a voodoo old man in the woods getting beat to death by a chair jeez uh, his wife's just you know not even a home no <laughs> different house. completely different house oh way off the God. beaten path <laughs> nice one <laughs> um all right so uh, that was a little bit long i feel like but at the end of each of our not yours i just meant our episode in general um, but at the end of each one, we're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, what's around town. So I'd like to do this, like, once we get more listeners and we can figure out, like, where they're coming from, then we can do, like, local stuff in their towns, too. Yeah, and they can, like, email us. Yeah, email so. us if there's really cool places in your town that's, like, weird or strange or just, like, quirky, unique. Yeah, peculiar. quirky. 
Um, Let's well, use all of the descriptors yeah. that we use word for weird word. Or you word can email word. us. What's our email? Um, our email is OTBP podcast 2019 at gmail.com. Okay. Freshly made. <laughs> Boom. So email us your hometown weird places and we'll look them up and we'll shout them out and talk a little bit about them. That would be so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So we're, uh, the places that we're going to call out around here, they're both in Maryland, like right over the Maryland line where we live or in Delta. So we've got, um, this place called Mom Pa Pizza, uh, and Delta Pizza. They're the only two pizza places around here. We just got a Chinese food restaurant like last year. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, it's really good. Um, and... These two places, they are the only two places that deliver, but we wanted to call them out because they're local and they're good. Um, but then there's this other place that's right down the road on Wise Road, and I've never actually been there, but it's a leather shop called Hellbent for Leather, and it looks really freaking cool. Um, super tiny, but it sells, like, a bunch of homemade leather stuff. I, like, pulled up their Facebook. It was, like, um, uh, things that you put knives in, whatever they're called. Holsters, Holsters for a knife. Yeah. <laughs> um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, then there's a place called Eats and Sweets that's really good. Um, oh, Eats I and love Eats and Sweets. I know. Eats and Sweets has the best cheesesteaks ever. And they're really cool. It's like a little, fifth, I guess, a 50s style yeah. kind of place. And they have um, ice cream and a bunch of candy. It's like one of those little uh, soda pop shop type things. Yeah, right across from North Hartford High School. Yes, right across from North Hartford High School. Um, and the last thing that I want to talk, like, give a little shout out to that's local is the Slateville Brewery. I haven't had a chance to go there yet, but it's on 136, right past the highs. And, like, if you keep going, um, oh. on the right-hand side, uh, I haven't been there, but they've done a lot of work. I've heard really good things, and who knew there would be a freaking brewery, like, four minutes away. So, yeah. that's pretty cool. And the beautiful thing about a lot of these places is they do a lot of work with charities in the local area. And that's yeah. really good to point out is that, because, I mean... No, Delta's, I completely agree. Delta's a small town, but... You know, when the businesses are able to work together to improve the town, yeah. but also we're trying to stay local with our eats and yeah. things like that. So I would call out Reconnect Cafe. That was my absolute favorite place. It was on Main Street in Delta. It was the best little cafe ever. But the Did that owner, close now? Yeah, they had to close down. I'm not exactly sure why. I think that the owner's husband had health some health issues. Oh, okay. Um, but that place was my favorite favorite. If Reconnect Cafe ever opens again and you guys are local, you need to take some time to go there. She would make homemade quiches, homemade soups. I love that place. It was great. Well, if everybody listens to this, we might make enough money and then we can open it up. Start a GoFundMe for a Reconnect Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. I Drop miss it so much. Um... Okay, so I see on our little agenda that you wanted to talk about a local case before we signed off. Yes. All right. Tell me about it. Because okay. I don't read the newspaper or anything around here. So I don't so, know anything about that's going on. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up uh, just to kind of talk about it and touch base on it. So um, Stacy and I actually met at a bar 
I know we should have put that out there, but we actually met at a bar called uh, the Amber Light. <laughs> the Amber Light Inn. I'll be guest bartending this Saturday and next weekend if you would like to stop by the Amber Light Inn and come <laughs> give me a visit. <laughs> she does not have any pickled axe. I, do, I don't, but we're open Fridays and Saturdays. I don't know. Show up around 8. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> so, um, the incident that occurred was um, charging documents... This is from the actual article. Charging documents state Joe Line called the woman, which is a young lady that is a patron at the bar as well. So her name is, what is her name? Her name's Tara Lee. Okay. And, um, The guy's name is Joe Line? Yeah, Charles Joe Line. Oh, Joe Line. That's his last name. Okay, yeah, okay. I was like, his, his name, name is Joe Line? That's... Um, so charging documents state Joe Line called the woman Tara Lee about 4 a.m. Sunday, telling her that he would kill himself if she did not come to his home. Okay, listen. Let me just... Let me just say something. If you love a girl and you want a girl, don't tell her that you're going to off yourself. Tell her to come there. I just feel (laughs) like... Like, true love does not start with blackmail. (laughs) Like, I'm just saying. (laughs) So... She went to the home, and Joe Line grabbed her, pointed a gun at her, and made her sit in the back of his unregistered Volkswagen Jetta, according to police. He then used a rope to tie her hands to the passenger seat from the back seat, where she was tied up for about 20 minutes, court documents allege. During that time, he struck her multiple times, according to authorities. Police said... He then ordered Lee into his truck and drove around his farm for about an hour. He just drove around with her tied up in the back seat? In the trunk. Oh my god. After that, he grabbed, he dragged her by the hair into his room where he choked her and refused to let her leave, according Mm. to the charging documents. He eventually allowed her to leave, but the threat he threatened to kill her family and burn her house down if she called the police. Court documents allege. So, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because of the simple fact is, is that I know the girl. Yeah, that's crazy. But also because of bashing people on Facebook. Is that what... Wait, how does that come into it? Because, you know, when the whole thing hit Facebook... Oh, people were victim-blaming her? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, guys, don't victim-blame. Just yeah, don't. You... I don't care who you are. I know I just laughed and made, like, a thing that was, like, true love doesn't start with blackmail, but if you really cared about somebody and they were telling you that they were going to off themselves if you didn't come over and you did and something terrible like that happened to you, like, you are 100% not to blame. Yeah. Like, and anyone that says any other, anyone that says otherwise can, like, go run to the goat man. so i mean and that stuff really upsets me to a point you know because i dealt with it before yeah and nobody likes and you don't facebook is i mean i say it all the time facebook is just a big bitch fest Mm -hmm. all the time everybody is constantly bitching and honestly we don't give two fucks yeah (laughs) like Why are you bitching on Facebook right now? Because I don't fucking care. Exactly. 
So, and I it's mean, like, I don't know, like, I grew up in a small town, and, like, I love living in this small town because there's so much weird, cool shit. There's cool places yeah. to go and weird stories and stuff. But one kind of shitty thing about living in a small town is a lot of people know everything about you, know your business, and feel like they have to comment on it constantly. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Yeah, and I, and I get that. I completely get that, and I understand it, but... It's fucked up. I don't, like, social media was created for expressing yourself for talking to people for meeting people not for destroying people and trying to make their lives a living hell yep we should all just try to find the world a little bit better than we left it instead of yeah shitting all over everything yeah help people out don't kill them exactly so parting thoughts from off the beaten path help people out don't shit all over them on social media stay away from hex hollow yeah, stay away definitely. from the goat man and uh, stay away from No Fish Charlie. No Fish Charlie. <laughs> I thought you said No Fish for a second. <laughs> Alright, All right. you guys. And we'll see you next week. Alright, stay true. Oh, rate us, subscribe, follow, all of it on our social media. Yeah. Off the beaten path. O-T-B-P. Uh, OTBP podcast 2019 at gmail.com if you're listening and you want us to shout out someplace cool in your hometown that's weird quirky yeah okay all right stay true bye